But the best was in Rambo 3. Um, we are recording now. Okay. This was in Rambo 3. He basically arms and trains the Taliban. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've seen Rambo 3. <laughs> And which uh, gives mm-hmm. thanks to the uh, the the Mujahideen or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, the brave. Oh. Uh, <laughs> did not age well, um, but I, I never saw I never saw the second one. Mm-hmm. And uh, but this essay, I forget who wrote it. It might be Shanti Collins or somebody like that. Um, mm-hmm. Just talking about how number four was actually divor- divorced from any sort of um, American imperialism. It's in a it's in a conflict that they yeah. really have no part of. Yeah. And it just shows that uh, Rambo is a, um, you know, killing machine. He's been turned into a killing machine. Uh, he's basically a weapon. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just carnage and violence and, yeah. and death. And it's a I remember it being a very, very violent. It's movie. very violent, but in a wonderful way. Yeah. I just remember the Red Band trailer for it. I didn't said to it. let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And that, with that being said, it's that by video. Hello. All right, so we were missing Lillian this evening, but uh, let me read my intro to this episode. <clears throat> Following the success of Zombie Two, Lucio Fulci made the Italian crime film The The, the God Darn It. Following the success, <laughs> take two. Man, we need Lillian. Following the success of. Zombie 2, Lucio Fulci made the Italian crime film Contraband. This film was also successful and it allowed Lucio Fulci to pursue his desire to make horror films with a more metaphysical style. Taking two things from Zombie 2 that gained widespread notoriety, he ramped up the graphic violence in an atmospheric atmospheric environments. Did I say that right? Atmospheric environments? Yeah. I mean, those are two words, but... Yeah, I said it right. Okay. Um... (laughs) The film hit new heights of gross-out splatter and solidified Fulci's status as the international godfather of gore. This film kicked off Fulci's Doors of Death trilogy. In its native Italy, it was released under the title Para Nella Cittea del Monte Viente, which translated means Fear in the City of the Living Dead, and is commonly today known as City of the Living Dead. It was released in North America on VHS several years later under the title that I grew up with, and it is the film we are watching tonight. This is The Gates of Hell. Uh. Here's a movie you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about 8 billion years It's time for death By video Time for death By video And now The show will begin Alright, welcome I, back I don't know what that sound I made was I don't know what that was supposed to be It's like a metal s- <laughs> song From the 80s who are uh, we guys i'm phil i'm kit and i'm graham and uh, it's just the three of us tonight it's like one of the early episodes as you yeah. can tell by our our terrible intro or my terrible intro but uh yeah it's gonna be back again guys so um do you want me to go into the notes on the film before we watch it or should we wait until after some of it is a little spoilery yeah let's let's uh okay. let's wait till after we'll have the uh, little preamble where we just uh, mm-hmm. discuss film and stuff and yeah popular culture stuff and then we'll just dig in mm-hmm. in the second half 
So have we watched anything recently that we uh, want to talk about? I haven't seen anything. I'm, I've been mm. terrible. Phil, you seen anything interesting? Um, yeah. So I've only the only movie I've seen in the last week is Amazing Grace, the Aretha Franklin concert film, the the botched and uh, resurrected uh, Aretha Franklin documentary. That, Was uh, that the one that got pulled and then? Yes, okay. because she didn't yeah, like she, it or something. Uh, I. I don't know why she filed a lawsuit, but the reason why the film got released eventually is there was an agreement with the estate. Because mm-hmm. the, the original producer, they bought the footage from Warner. It got shoved yeah. into a vault because it, the production was horribly botched. And uh, mm-hmm. there was an agreement made with the estate. Uh, Spike Lee co-produced it. And... Uh, it finally got edited together into something salvageable. So, uh, oh, good stuff. Was it enjoyable? It was enjoyable. Yeah, like I can only take gospel music in small doses. I'm not. Yeah. Um, You're not a gospel head. I'm afraid I'm not a gospel head. Um, oh. And my Aretha, my enjoyment of Aretha Franklin rarely goes beyond uh, the hits. Mm-hmm. But with that said, it's uh, it was enjoyable. It's probably the sweatiest, the literal, literally the sweatiest movie I've <laughs> seen in a very long well, time. Well, I mean, like it's like back before all those big buildings had air conditioning. So anytime yeah. there was a concert, you just look at it and you're like, man, those people must have been so sweaty. Oh yeah. What's uh, what's the the date on this? When was it recorded? It was recorded in '72. Uh, ah, at the height of her powers. Yeah. Yeah, Amazing Grace is actually her biggest, Aretha Franklin's biggest selling record ever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and you do see Mick, glimpses of Mick Jagger and Charlie Watts. Uh, the second hanging next. out? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anything else? That's it. Oh, wow. So this is really up to me. Is, oh, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that around the same time that Cocksucker Blues came out? That kind of... You mean didn't yes. come out? Yeah. <laughs> it was recorded. Mm-hmm. around that same time but I mean like I remember seeing that in Queen Video when I first moved to Toronto like we've got a copy of the Rolling Stones and Blank Blucker Blues <laughs> I don't know if I have to I'm not going to bleep it but yes. I don't know the, the, the yeah the fellatio blues <laughs> yeah um, yeah Suspect Video I remember they were selling bootleg DVDs yeah. of it and mm-hmm. And what was the deal with that one? It was just you got to see uh, Keith Richards shooting up or something like that. I don't know. It was like uh, most a of the of stuff in there. Yeah, from what I understand, it was like most of the bad behavior was done by the roadies, and they were just kind of around there for it. Uh yeah. Didn't there's full frontal Mick Jagger. Hey, hey, but we've all seen that. Yeah. Have we? Performance. Oh yeah. Or it's mostly frontal Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. And rear view. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine he has much of an ass. He's so skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's something I don't want to think about. Um, <laughs> Moving along. Hey, he's, see, still, uh, he's still touring. He's getting ready for his next tour. I've actually seen 10 movies since we last recorded. What yeah. is wrong with you? <sighs> I live a very sad life. Um, no, I'm kidding. But I, you did uh, take a very special trip. I don't know if you want to get to that first. What's special? Oh, to the theater? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll talk about that. So I saw um, a couple days ago, I saw the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron, uh, directed by Jonathan Levine. Uh, they're stab at a romantic comedy, and this is, I think, Seth Rogen's most deliberate stab at a romantic comedy because he's done other films that had romance in them. I guess it's the closest comparable would be Knocked Up, but that's not really a romantic comedy. That's really just a, holy crap, I got this girl pregnant. How do I deal with this? So, and I saw it at, I went to, in Toronto, the Humber Cinemas is closing. 
Uh, and it was the last day. And full disclosure, R.I.P. Humbersome. Yeah, I had never been there before. R.I.P. again. Yeah, it yeah because it closed in like two thousand three. Oh yeah, you did an R.I.P. last episode, didn't you? Did I? No, 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 no they didn't announce have. they were closing. Oh, okay. until the day before they yeah. closed. Um, and it's it's clear that it was a last minute thing because they had posters for movies coming out in June and July, and they also had um, trailers for movies coming. Like they had like a big Godzilla thing, and like Godzilla came out yesterday, a day after they closed. So they clearly were meaning to um, to still be open, like, and it just came suddenly. Um, but yeah, it's a gorgeous theater. It was the first time I'd went. You can clearly see that it used to be. A, it was an Odeon. It was the last operational. Odeon Picture Palace, I think, in, in the world. So there was formerly the Odeon uh, Carlton, which uh, is now the site of the Carlton Cinemas, but it's different. It was a big open auditorium movie palace. There was the Odeon Highland as well, and then there was another one that I forget of. But um, I, yeah. I went to the Odeon Highland a lot. As, uh, when is I that na- that's now a parking lot, right? It was a parking lot. It's now partially a parking lot. It's also... Where there used to be a Starbucks, it's a condo showroom. It's, oh, uh, right, yeah. All that crap. So many more things. Yeah. I know. Who doesn't want another <laughs> blank, generic condo that no one can afford to live in taking up space? It's a condo showroom. Oh, sorry. Showroom. <laughs> Just showing you what the condo will look yeah, like. The exactly. condo that you can't afford. This is what it'll look like, except yours will be about nine and a half feet smaller, and the windows will pop up, <laughs> pop out in the winter. Enjoy. Um, and you're going to be paying $780,000 for it. Um, and no, dogs are not permitted. But um, yeah, it's it's just a gorgeous theater. I actually got a chance. I talked to the, the people behind the, the the concession stand. I'm like, hey, can I just walk around and take photos? And they allowed me to. I went up into their um, their Cinema One, which is basically the balcony of the original movie palace. And you could tell this was probably like a 1,200 seater movie theater. So like on the top floor, I think there was like 250 seats, which is like in the balcony. And you could see like at, right at the rim where it curved, that's where they like built a wall and put a screen up. And then down in the main auditorium, which uh, sits, I think around 400 now, it's got like, it's got like its main screen, which is where the original one used to be. Um, And then they have two smaller cinemas off to the side. I saw long shot in cinema four. And even, even in the small cinema, it was great. You could tell though that they, they clearly, when they reopened the place in 2011, I think it was when uh, the crazy guy that owns the Kingsley, he who shall not be named, um, re- like renovated it. He basically bought because Odeon gutted it when they closed it down in 2003. So there were no no seats, no stage, no screen. They also had a gold railings that that yeah. was that was stolen. That was though. Stolen, yeah. yeah, by vandals, it broke in, and it was apparently a home to a family of raccoons for a long time. Naturally, yeah. Um, so you could tell that like he just bought the old seats from an old 90s Cineplex and put them in because they like I said, and I'm like these are not that comfy, and the uh, Cup holders aren't that big, but um, but yeah, it was really enjoyable to go there at least once to see it. A lot of old posters from the past, like Son of Frankenstein and stuff from the 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, and I am just utterly gutted that I only got to go there once, and that it's only. I know, I know it's and cl- you only saw Long Shot there. That yeah, was, that was <laughs> the, the it was that was the only film playing that I hadn't seen before or wasn't Detective Pikachu. Oh, there was just just Detective Pikachu. It was Detective Pikachu, uh, Avengers: Civil War, and John Wick Two. Oh, no Aladdin? No, I debated about seeing John Wick 2. I know, I think they had Aladdin as well, but it wasn't... Um, actually, no, they did have Aladdin. It just wasn't playing when I was there. And it probably wouldn't be that good. Yeah, I don't need to see that. Yeah, so I guess they just show, like, five different movies a day. Like, it'll be, like, yeah. one time this and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to go there, but there was nothing I ever wanted to see there. Mm-hmm. Well, initially, they were saying that they were screening... I think it was just a matter of, like, 
what they could get people out for. They realized that, like, oh, these Avengers movies are doing well. And originally, the two smaller cinemas were meant for more independent, fairer documentaries, but that didn't uh, play out. I mean, apparently, mm. at the Kingsway, there's a second cinema there, too, that's a small room yeah. that's also for in documentaries. That's where the infamously vaxxed, <laughs> the, the, vax, the anti vaccination documentary played. Which everyone that went, I know one person went to see it and he was like, I don't know why I went to see that. <laughs> oh, it was no. just bad. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's sad that it's gone. Although the rants of the guy that owns the Kingsway is like, if they had left it to me, if they hadn't kicked me out, I would still be running to this day. And I'm like, no, did you, you didn't pay no. your rent for a no. year. And then they kicked you out and they kept it as a movie theater going while you weren't there, which is something although i loved how on the marquee i'm not talking about the movie at all i mean it was just it's a seth rogan uh, him like charlize theron deserves the oscar for for convincingly portraying a woman attracted to seth rogan which i don't want to i don't want to like slam 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 seth rogan's aesthetic appearance no that is that is a role that a lot of women have had to take on over the years though (laughs) he's so unattractive like the way that he plays his character is so unattractive in the movie like he wears the same windbreaker every day over the same hoodie while wearing a pair of cargo pants that have tapered ankles for some reason oh uh, and he just acts like a (laughs) douchebag the whole time too yeah, so uh, there's uh, Seth Rogen is hot. Twitter is blown up over the last week what? or so because of his GQ, uh ace GQ spread. Uh, you mean Photoshop McGee the magazine? Yeah, yeah. Trimmed beard, uh, Hawaiian shirt, half unbuttoned. Of course. Good lighting. Mm-hmm. That was a long way. He's, he's, he's long been uh, known as a bear in the uh, gay community. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we all know that. Shout out for Pride Month just starting today. By yeah, the way. sure. Today's the first day of Pride Month. Good on them. We we gotta watch some uh, uh something some, some LGBT uh, some LGBTQ kind of um, film. There must be something good. Oh, no, we got a bunch. The... No, I have. I mean, there's Liquid Sky, which I don't think you've seen, Kit. Or Freddy Two. I was gonna say Freddy, <laughs> Freddy Two or Liquid Sky, um, would be good. Freddy Two. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Two. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Freddy's Freddy Revenge. Revenge. Yes. yes. Which, it's not subtext, it's just text in yeah, that no, movie. Yeah, no, I saw that Pride last year. There was a screening of yeah. that. Uh, nice. Like Queer Fear and uh, Rue Morgue. They we still joined forces and uh, screened that. We still haven't done our Kruger yet. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan, but maybe. Top Gun. Uh, yeah, Top Gun is very homoerotic. Sorry, guys, that like Top Gun. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, Rest in Peace, Humber Cinemas. I saw uh, I saw a bunch of films, so I'm only going to talk about two more. I saw the film The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot, which stars Sam Elliott. It was a Is film that, that... one film? It's one film. Okay. And it started set kind of vaguely in the 80s. It stars Sam Elliott as an old man who's like reflecting on his life. Is this a recent movie? Yes, it's from last year. And as much as you might think, based on the title, it's going to be one thing, it's actually not. It's a very serious like look back on life and how you uh despite accomplishing like one of the biggest feats ever killing hitler it still hasn't made his life greater and it didn't really end world war ii it's very interesting he has this moment where he breaks it because it's not you see flashbacks but it's him going about his life as an old man with his dog like just trying to get through day to day and every now and then you get a flashback to him in world war ii trying to track down someone and then he has this great moment where he tells a, a character who's actually it was played by kyle chandler who's also in the next one we're going to talk about um and he basically says, like, listen, killing Hitler didn't stop anything. They had doubles. They just kept going. And, it, you know, at the end of the day, like, the war kept going for another year. And it's just then we lost a lot more men. So he's not very pleased about it or proud about it. And then he's given the chance. So in the film, Bigfoot has been discovered in Canada. And they've created a 50-mile uh, radius around him because he is 
carrying a plague that if it comes into contact with humanity would kill off humanity like dead it would be the end of our, our society so they bring in sam elliott's character to try and track down and kill the bigfoot and he does and then the movie continues after that he's, why would you want to kill the bigfoot because he's spreading disease and killing all humans well i mean trap him no like they're like it's like and they, they're and like the reason why sam elliott is perfect as well is because he is a, like his he has a natural immunity to this disease oh okay all right, but no, it's very, it sounds fun. It sounds like a fun movie. But it's not a fun movie, though. It's serious as a heart attack. It's a very sad movie and somber. And it's wonderful. It ends like, you think like, okay, it's ending now, but then it keeps going. And it's great that it keeps going because you get to see his, like, sadness of, like, you know, the things he's done in life and how it's affected him and how he's basically isolated alone and he reconnects with his brother and he goes to see his granddaughter's play. And it's a wonderful movie. It's very touching. So that is streaming currently on Hoopla. Uh, which is the Toronto Public Library's uh, video streaming service. That's where I saw it. And then the final film I want to talk about this week is a film that was released yesterday. I went to go see it at Aha, 12 I in know the what afternoon. This is. It is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Now, to and me, to, I've seen the ads for this. Mm. It looks very much like Godzilla Final Wars, the remake. No. Not quite? No, no, not quite. Godzilla Final Wars had aliens. This one doesn't. Okay. Uh, Is that the you, only difference, Unless though? you count King Ghidorah. No, no. There's uh, it's, it's a very different movie than from Final Wars, but it's awesome. I just like everyone out there that's dogging it now is like, you know, the, char- the human characters, they, they were a little paper thin written. I'm like, no, they weren't. First of all, they actually all had like different complexities to them. And you guys, the people that don't like this movie clearly don't like fun. I don't want. I don't want to say they're wrong. Like you cannot like a Godzilla movie, but you can't come out and be like, "Oh, the, there was too many monster fights." It's like, it's giant monsters fighting. It's called Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, I saw like the uh, I skimmed the AV Club review, but they compared it to pro wrestling, and yet it still somehow got like a C review. It wasn't really like pro wrestling though. That's the thing though. Even though I'm a big pro wrestling fan, yeah. I, I can tell the difference. But. I just feel that like people don't understand what they're getting into, but it was awesome. I loved it, and they brought back the original Godzilla theme from 1954. Like they do it when it's sampled by Feral Monch on Simon Says. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's awesome. And then over the end credits, they play a cover of Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult, and nice. it's just awesome. As soon as that, as soon as it cut to credits, I was like, yes! And they set up um, they set up Godzilla versus King Kong, and sh- like they mentioned King Kong, but he's never seen. Meanwhile, we see like footage of him from like the Kong Skull Island movie. Is oh, is that it's a shared universe? It's a shared, yeah, that's 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 something else they point out. Like that, these Godzilla films are a very sly shared universe. So they're gonna do Godzilla versus Kong is next year, 2020. They're shooting it right now. I still haven't seen uh, Skull Island or whatever it was. Yeah, it was alright. It was good. It's fun. Better it's, than the Peter Jackson King Kong? Yes. Which was terrible. I wouldn't say it was terrible. I'd just say it was very long and indulgent. And chaotic. Yeah. No, this the Kong Skull Island is better, and I man, I just love this Godzilla. This this Godzilla King of the Monsters is great because there's no beating. Like the interesting thing is that with the Godzilla the first film, they pushed it as Godzilla as a metaphor for death, and that wasn't the way it was at all. In in um, sorry, in the 2014 film, they pushed the trailers pushed him as a metaphor for death. They even quoted the guy who created the atomic bomb, and um, and it wasn't that at all. Like Godzilla is a good guy fighting off bad monsters, and in this one, it kind of seems like. Okay, it's going to be Godzilla versus Mothra versus Rodan versus King Ghidorah, but it's not that at all, and it's better for not being that at all. And at the end of the movie, like, oh, 
it's just I love it. It's a really fun film. I encourage people to take their children. And I can't wait for the next one. And Charles Dance is in it as a... Hey, uh, Charles Dance. He's playing... Although every review calls him an eco-terrorist, I just think he's a, a suicide cult terrorist because he's like, oh, we've ruined the planet and like, if we unleash the Titans, they'll destroy the world and set it back to, to year zero. And it's like, no, no, you're just trying to kill everybody on the planet. You're just insane. Does Charles Dance ever play a uh, nice guy? I'm trying to think. <laughs> Everybody associates Charles Dance with Game of Thrones, which I've never I associated watched. with Get Last Action Hero. That, I was just going to say, this is where yeah. I was going with this. Yeah. I remember when he like has that speech of like, how about a nightmare with Freddy Krueger? Or blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll go to all these movies and I'll take these villains out. And it's like, no, buddy, you don't know how that works. If you take all those villains out of movies, they're all going to fight each other. Like, villains don't, you know, there's no League of Villains. I'm sure there is somewhere. League of Villains is yeah. a, a good sounding movie title. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's that's what I've seen. I mean, I can talk about some other stuff I've seen. I watched a, a short film by Anna Biller. It was actually her first short film called... Is this on the Criterion channel? Yeah, they, yeah. Got, they got her short films, which is wonderful. Um, I'm becoming more and more of a fan of her with every passing day. But um, the short film of hers I saw was Three Examples of Myself as Queen, which was interesting because it was the short film was three different sections one was was set in um, the Raj period of India mm-hmm. another one was her as the queen bee of a beehive and the third one was her kind of in the 60s and it has one of the great I always love seeing 60s parties in regional films because they're all the same like people just going to a house where a band's playing and everyone just like dances spontaneously to it yeah party yeah party yeah you know you go you see like <laughs> oh there's a band here let's Let's just dance silently and not talk to one another. That's what you do. Yeah, that's great. Um, and the band was obviously not playing their instruments, which I liked even more. Like the drummer was like drumming like a foot off the drums. That was great. <laughs> so um, that's funny because you mm-hmm. obviously don't want to be hitting those drums. Exactly. Knowing everybody on set. but Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. It's a very nice, good short. And I can just see like even back, like this is like 13 years before she made Viva. She had such a strong directorial voice. Um, and you even got to see it evolve within the film because they shot it over different days or like way apart in certain cases. So, and they all shot on films. Like the first one, it's very, the camera's locked off. There's not much movement, not much editing. Second, uh, segment gets like more moving, more involved. Third segment is there's cutting. There's a horse. There's a special effect. They actually did like a, a, a job where they like put in a, a matte painting of a castle in the distance, which they had to do physically because this is back in the nineties and they were shooting on 16 millimeter film. What were you going to say, Kit? Oh, I wasn't. Yeah. Kid, have you seen either of Anna uh, Biller's films? Viva or um, or uh, The Love Witch? Weren't you at the movie night for Viva? He wasn't. No, I've, no. I've, I've missed missed out, obviously. Mm-hmm. But she's a wonderful filmmaker. So on that note, I think, is it... Oh, were you going to say something? Yeah, was it your second time watching The Love Witch at the Royal when it was the big get-together? That was my first time watching it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it was, was playing at the for a while the royal and the theory yeah. was bad yeah yeah it was a 35 millimeter print it was yeah. it's wonderful love that movie to death and uh yeah so with that being said we're gonna take a brief pause watch gates of hell and gates we'll come, hell. come back to talk about it afterwards oh and i also want to point out that this blu-ray of gates of hell was actually provided by our own kit lewis that's right it was a birthday present to me i think last year yeah it was uh last last year wonderful. when you had your birthday yeah uh yeah got it from bmv 
Yep. It was either that or some weird Orson Welles film. But that, I when I brought it to the counter... It was like I, 60 bucks well, or something? Well, yeah, because I thought like... It's out of print, yeah. Yeah, there was a... No, it can't possibly be $66.99. It's got to be $6.99. I, yeah, I, th- I thought it said $6.99, but it, it actually was like, yeah, $69.99. And I'm like, oh, well, no, no, I'm not going to take that. <laughs> yeah. Graham's <laughs> a friend movies. and all, but... Uh, <laughs> He's not that good of a friend. <laughs> not trying to marry him. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back. that tombstone oh yes i saw a priest who by hanging himself opened the gates of hell what it's all saints day a demanding implacable enemy whose search for blood is never satiated evil empire is not a bad cd actually yeah it's an underrated one did you say cd I did say CD. Compact disc for our, our post-millennial listeners. I, d- I didn't have Evil Empire as a kid, but uh, like I think my sister's boyfriend did. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. You taped that off of him. Yeah, or something like that. I got some of the you songs. When I did f- have Battle of Los Angeles, which I haven't listened yeah. to like in maybe a decade. I mm. should give it another chance. Yeah. I streamed it recently. Yeah. yeah. It holds up. It's, it's all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Third best, Rage Yes, third best. Okay, still good, though. Yeah. Anyways, that was... It's a notch above Renegades. 
Renegades still not bad though. I'll, that was, I'll that defend was, Renegades. That was Gates of Hell, um, directed yeah, sure by Lucio was. Fulci. Man, or what, City a, what of a the good or City of the Living Dead or Fear in the City of the Living Dead. Or there are some other alternative titles as well that I'll get to. So um, before we get into it, I'll just bring up uh, Zombie Three. No, it was not called Zombie Three. <laughs> no, um, no, we saw Zombie Three. Yeah. <laughs> um, the film was actually oh over twenty years. The film was repeatedly banned in Germany. It was first released on video under the title "Ein Zombie Hang am Glockenschild," <laughs> which translates to "A Zombie Hung on the Bell Rope." It, this they should have kept that title. This version was that banned like in a 19, really good title. <laughs> it was. This version was banned in 1986, resulting in another edit of the film being released. This time under the name of "A Dead Body Hung on the Bell Rope." That version was Again, then pretty kickass. That version was then banned in 1988, and a final German version called "A Corpse Hung on the Bell Rope" was released without any gory scenes whatsoever in the 90s. However, this version was ended up being banned <laughs> that like in half 2000. Hour long, yeah, <laughs> 20 minutes. Like the PG cut of Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah. Oh gosh, is there one? Well, it's like a joke featurette on the DVD. DVD yeah. It's oh, like shit. three minutes long. Yeah. I have that yeah. DVD, too. I'm mm-hmm. not ashamed of that. And so the final version without any gory scenes was banned in 2001, at which point the distributors just gave up. Um, so, yeah, so I, uh, I I really love this movie. Like, I'm a big fan of Lucio Fulci, obviously. Um, should I talk a little bit about the behind the, some facts on the film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us some, right. uh, give us some dirt. Give us some details. So the film reunites uh, Fulci with his zombie 2 writer, Dardano Scalecci. Um, both, but you can tell there's a lot of the same, yeah. um, some basically, themes, story arts. Yeah. We even mm-hmm. get a Scooby-Doo section. Yeah, we get, again, two men, two women, <laughs> a, a journalist investigating a crime, a bizarre crime. Um, and both uh, Skeeti and Fulci have said that this was like the beginning of their creative peak. Um, the film also reunited Fulci with uh, his cinematographer, Sergio Salvete, uh, who shot the Fulci films Sete Note in Nero, a.k.a. Seven Notes in Black. Zombie 2, The Beyond, The Black Cat, and The House by the Cemetery. Um, Salvete is also known for being the cinematographer on the film's Puppet Master, Ghoulies 2, Cellar Dweller. Ghoulies 2. And, <laughs> That's awesome. And he also directed a film that I really... I, he, he DP'd... Yeah. Oh, Ghoulies 2. He DP'd a film that I really like, 1990s, 1990, The Bronx Warriors. Um... Exteriors for the film were shot in New York City and some cities in the state of Georgia. By the way, Georgia can go to hell uh, for their recent laws. They go to the gates of hell. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's directly where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, all the interiors were filmed in Rome, Italy at Dare Studios. So during the film's incredibly brief theatrical run in 1983 in we're the United States... we lose all our listeners in Georgia now. Well, there's some good people in Atlanta, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a couple good ones, yeah. Killer Mike's from there. Mm-hmm. There's a really good song called Midnight Train to Georgia, which I like. Um, but... During the film's incredibly brief <coughs> theatrical release in 1983 in the United States, it was titled Twilight of the Living Dead to cash in on Dawn of the Dead, and the film's poster was also a cut-and-paste job of the Dawn of the Dead poster. This resulted in a cease and desist from the distributors of Dawn of the Dead, and it was then changed to Gates of Hell. Gates of Hell is a good name, know, too. It. It's also a good, like, Metallica album, album? or something. It's like a forgotten Metallica album. <laughs> um, the film was influenced by the works of H.P. Lovecraft with the idea that there are nefarious demons living in an ancient dimension just outside of our own, waiting to cross over and mess us up. Uh, Lovecraft's influence was acknowledged in the film with the, the town of Dunwich, which is an homage to the Dunwich Horror by H.B. Lovecraft. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, the film stars Christopher George, who is just a charming man. I like him. Yeah. 
He's like a, a very, you know, Willem Jovi Dafoe Willem energy. Dafoe, yeah. Dafoe, yeah. This is his third time appearing in... Fuego hair. Yeah. Yep. This is his third time appearing in Death by on a Death by Video episode. He was it's in a our, favorite. Yep, he was actually. This is like the most any actors appeared in any of our uh, any of the films we watched. So he was in Graduation Day, where he played the gym coach, and he was in Pieces, where he played the police detective that enlisted the help of a high, of a university student did, to help him solve the case. Did we get Bob? And well, I know we got him in more than one movie. Yeah. So no, Bob was only in two. Okay. Uh, and and we'll get to that. So. Um, if, yeah, it's the second appearance of Giovanni, Giovanni Lombardo Radis um, on Death by Video. He played the scumbag cocaine snorting villain way back in Death by Video number nine. What was the uh, big gaffe we made with him? You thought he was something else? I thought he was Carlo Rambaldi. That's right. The, the guy that won the Oscar for designing E.T. Yeah, no, he is not Carlo Rambaldi. And he did the quote-unquote creature in possession yes yeah yeah no this is that that actor is not carlo rombaldi <laughs> i don't know where i got that idea and how he screwed up so badly it's like yeah interesting fact the guy that designed et won an oscar <laughs> was in cannibal ferox and gates of hell but no it's yeah. um it's uh carlo lombardo Rodis. um the film co-stars british actress uh catriona mccall who would go on to star in both the beyond and the house by the cemetery which are the other two chapters in the gates of hell trilogy um, her most notable role besides this was in the British sword and sorcery science fiction adventure film Hawk the Slayer, which was uh, referenced in the space TV series by Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and uh, Jessica Hines. Oh, cool. They got yeah. all sorts of great references in that show. Yep. Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> uh, the, Hawk the Slayer actually co-starred Jack Palance before his comeback in City Slickers. We were just talking about Jack Palance. Mm-hmm. We were because um, what's this? Christopher George there looks like he could have could started a movie, SBA a cowboy awesome, yeah. movie with Jack Jack, Jack Palance. He might have. Um, in a small role, the Italian director uh, Michele Sal- Salvi appears. He was Dario Gento, Gento's protege and directed many films, including 1987 Stage Fright. That's the uh, film with the kill- where the killer is dressed as a giant owl. He directed the film The Church. <laughs> I don't remember that one. No, it's, it's great, though. I love it. He directed the film The Church, which is sometimes known as Demons 3, which was the um, the acting debut of, uh, of uh, Asia Argento. Hey. He also directed 1991's The Sect, a.k.a. The Devil's Daughter, a.k.a. Demons 4. And he most notably is known for the film Cemetery Man, a.k.a. De La Morte de la, uh, de la starring... Dylan Rupert? Rupert, Rupert, Rupert Everett, yeah, sorry. I always get those guys mixed up. Um, really? I thought you got Dern McGuire. I get, I get all those like dark-haired 90s actors screwed up. So the, the entire male supporting cast of My Best Friend's Wedding. Yeah, I just, I'm, just, I'm just a blank on it all, really. But yeah, um, so that, oh, the role of, so in the film, uh, there's the role of Rosie. She's one of the teenagers in the car. So she was played by Daniela Doria. Oh, and, wow. She has to do a lot in this film. Gosh. Yeah, she pukes up... Uh, her character pukes up her own intestines. So to achieve this... She literally pukes her she guts She actually out. swallowed and regurgitated a full plate of beef tripe. It's so, a gross movie. Yeah, there is, this there's movie some, is very gross. Some super grossness to it. There's, um, it's the practical effects that make yeah. it grosser. If this was CGI, I'd be oh, like... Yeah, meh. Meh. yeah, but it's like... Even like just the, the fact that like, oh, how do we make this disgusting? Let's smear some butt on this guy's face and put some worms on him. You know? Yeah, like live yeah. maggots on these people's faces. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. So <laughs> we'll do a brief run through of the film before we talk about our final thoughts on it. So um, the film starts with... 
So this gripped me when I saw it as the Gates of Hell when I was a kid. It's this priest walking through a cemetery. It's very atmospheric. There's oh, this whole movie is very fog machines aplenty going and wind machines going too. He's walking through this graveyard. He's feeling very, seeming very stern about something. And we cross cut with a seance in New York City. And then we see that he has thrown a noose over a tree branch and then he hangs himself. And in that moment, our main character of Mary, played by Katrina McCall, has a uh, has a extreme freak out and she apparently dies of fright. Yes. And then everybody in the um, in at the séance is like accused of by this New York police detective of being on grass. Yeah. Um, well, we first of all we know she's dead because uh, when the police investigate, there's a chalk outline of her yeah, body. Yeah, there's another chalk, like which the, makes no sense. It's indoors. Yeah, there was a chalk outline in the boat and zombie. Photography has been invented at this point. Yeah. They can just take a picture of the body. I think it's more or less just that's the that's the. Um, well, that was his idea of like American detective shows. Hmm. I think. Yeah, because you see one thing, it's like, oh, they drew chalk on this, this on the sidewalks. So it was in uh, it was in zombie as well. Yeah, chalk in a boat. On the boat, mm-hmm. exactly. The boat. Yep. And so at this point, we're also starting to see we we meet. I guess our our character. What was his name? The Italian psychiatrist that was dating a teenager, and possibly someone else. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, damn it. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, and he's he's basically like treating someone who he might also be dating this uh, blonde woman whose name is, I think it's, Sasha in the movie. We'll say Sasha. Really should have written down some mm-hmm. names here. Oh, we can look them up on the internet. I've got, I've got Emily. I've got John John. Yeah, Emily was the teenager <laughs> that who is John John's older sister that the guy was dating. Yes. And um, yeah, that's his. Oh, yeah. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Are we describing the plot? What's going on? Where am we I? Are, you're you're, you're just describing you're lost. the plot. <laughs> Not really. I so, guess. So, in short, basically. Um, because this priest hung himself in this in the graveyard in Dunwich, which is a place where witches were burned during the original Salem witch trials, yes, there's he a, has uh, unlocked one of the seven doors of death or there, the gates to hell. There's a uh, we were met when the movie opens with a, an engraving on a tombstone. What does it say? It says I wrote it down, um, and now I'm trying to read my own writing. <laughs> it says the soul that pines for eternity shall outspan death. You dweller of the twilight, void came Dunwich, mm-hmm. which is I don't know, maybe just gibberish. <laughs> I don't. I think it's just something. It's, it's supposed it's, to sound ominous, cool. but it sounds like it's broken English. It doesn't sound. It sounds like it's been run through mm-hmm. a translator and then translated back. So yeah, the um, that's word salad. <laughs> so the 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 psychiatrist's name is Jerry, and he's played by Carlo DeMejo, and the uh, the blonde woman is Sandra, and she was played by Janet Argan. That's his patient when we uh, yes. enter, and, and perhaps his lover, perhaps his well. side piece. Yeah, because Emily is definitely his girlfriend. Because he's like, "Oh, see you tomorrow night," and kisses her. But she's living at home with her parents. She seems very young because she has to she rush. Could be in her early twenties. She has to rush off to hang out with Bob, and he's like, "Oh, I mean, you've been hanging out a lot with Bob." And Bob, we should say, is played by uh, not Carlo Rambaldi, the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Cannibal Ferox Man. Cannibal Ferox Man, and yep. like he's kind of sympathetic in this because he's a, he's clearly a guy who's suffering from mental issues, and his mother has passed away, and so now he's kind of on his own, living on the streets. He hangs out with a blow up doll. He hangs out with a blow up doll where he sees a what he what we believe to be a dead and festering corpse of a baby, which freaks oh, him out yeah, pretty hard. Oh like yeah, that's like one of the opening shots. I wrote that down yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a rotting baby corpse with yeah. worms crawling all over it. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's fun a, it's movie. It's rough, yeah. I mean, it is, the movie is pretty fun. So anyways, 
she goes to meet up with Bob, and he's like living in this like basement somewhere on a dirty mattress. And he's like, oh, no, you won't understand. It's, it's the worst thing ever. And she's like, what, what? And then they hear a noise, and Bob runs away. She runs after him and trips and falls. And she's like, Bob, don't leave me here. But she gets caught by the corpse of, or by the, by the evil spirit that is in the shape of Father Thomas. Father Thomas. Father Thomas. Ireland's own Father Thomas. There See, no it's not Irish just, it's not just Italian mo- Italians that we make fun of. We actually don't know if he's Irish. Yet. <laughs> well, he's played by his name. Here's the name <laughs> of the actor. We make fun of Italians and the Irish. The actor who played his, his first name is Fabrizio Giovini. Okay, very so Italian. So he's probably Italian, not not like that at all. He looks like young Dario Argento. Yeah. Although yeah. The, the actor that plays Furio in The Sopranos, his name is like Federico Caliucci. And I saw an interview with him and he's just like a... American guy? Of course, he's playing a character. <laughs> so, Disappointing. So Still this, has that ponytail. He does. Mm-hmm. So at this point, um, Christopher George, who's playing our intrepid detective, uh, Peter Bell, go. He's like he feels there's a story going on with the, the psychic that died. So he goes to the psychic's place, and the cops won't let him see it at all. So he's like, yeah, okay. So then he goes to the graveyard where a couple guys are just lazing about in front of an open grave with a, a skeleton in it. Yeah, talking about porno flicks. Yeah. Which just was unappealing. It sounded like a very bogus mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah. work of pornography. It's hey, a, it was the the story was he was like oh, I saw this porno one time where this guy was giving it to he was doing it so hard he humped himself to death. He humped himself to death. I'm just sure that somewhere in Italy this is the screen I'd be like what do Americans sound like? That's, They're probably watching the porno. There's there's no way that's happened in a porno. <laughs> the, the, the porno. <laughs> porno flick where a guy dies while he's having he's sex. Humping, I don't think that's to death. He just what dies from. It's a snuff film No, no, no. Um, so anyways, they lower the coffin containing Katrina McCall's body into it, who's the character of Mary that died. And, you know, they're like, oh, it's five o'clock. I guess we gotta go. Because they only scatter a little bit of dirt. union. Union rules. Come on. You know, you gotta, you gotta respect your union. Yeah, I'm sure that there's laws against just leaving a... A corpse out? Of course. <laughs> but again, this is also a movie where... Sorry, that's the whistle. Where 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 the girlfriend of a psychiatrist hangs out with this homeless guy Bob regularly, and everyone's kind of like, oh, "That's a little weird," but I guess it's okay. She's doing her community service. Probably that, yeah, something along those lines. So, what a movie you go looking for realism? No, you go for looking for magical realism. Mm, um, Touche. So, anyways, as Christopher George is walking away, Katrina McCall- Mary comes back to life inside the coffin, and he's like. There's a very long protracted scene where he's like trying to listen to her as a plane is flying by overhead so he can't really make out the sound of it. He's like, what does that sound like? Nah, I'm going to go. And then she makes more noise. I definitely heard something. Nah. And then she makes more noise and he's like, eh, maybe I'll go take it. Nah, I don't need to. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she screams out loud and he's like, oh, shit. And he runs yeah, over. Yeah, because he's standing over the coffin and he hears her shriek. And- yeah, and he grabs a pickaxe and starts just like, he he totally picks the worst place to throw a pickaxe into a coffin. Like, okay, I'm going to just try and crack it open right close to her face. And so, like, for three different hits, she gets almost impaled with this pickaxe into her face as she's trying to escape her coffin. And the way the shots are framed, like, she's wide-eyed, so you're expecting some good old eye trauma. And... Some luchial eye trauma, but it doesn't happen. So it turns he he out... does love his eye trauma. So it turns out she wasn't dead. So they meet with the with the, like the head psychic, I guess the medium you could say, and she says you have to find the town of Dunwich. And in while well, Katrina McCall was quote unquote dead, she had this vision 
of the priest hanging himself, and she saw the so name. She was doing a seance right when he hung, hung himself, himself yeah. which was just an unfortunate coincidence. coincidence. I know she could have been like fine, but if she wasn't doing she it, she could have just like no, met her cousin you know that had you know had that passed was a on. that was a fortunate coincidence because if we didn't know about that, then the world would have been swallowed up by this evil. This is true because it's, it's a good two thing days, a seance was going on. It's forty-eight hours before All Saints Day, and if he's still around by All Saints Day, then the gates of hell will be swung <laughs> wide open. I love the arbitrary timelines these movies. We got forty-eight hours to get this done. You I don't gotta, know. You gotta have, yeah. move the story forward. You gotta have a deadline. Again, I don't know why I went into Doc Brown territory. When I was <laughs> you pretty much. We gotta shut the gates of hell, Marty. You don't understand. <laughs> It'd be pretty excellent if this movie had title cards. One hour left until All Saints Day. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> at really this point, should. so they found. Uh, so where are we now? So in the town of Dunwich, they found the body of Mary. Unfortunately, she is dead. Her father's devastated. And her father's devastated. Her younger brother, her kid brother. Yeah, is is like just John. John is John. His John name. as his name is, and Gary, her boyfriend. Never just John. No, just John. John. It's always a kid that's named John. John. Yeah. No, you wouldn't go around to an adult like a thirty-three-year-old man. Hey, John. John, shut the hell up, Barry. <laughs> um. So we get to this. We're gonna jump ahead a little bit because Christopher George and Katrina McCall are driving out there, and they don't really know where Dunwich is. Apparently, it's not on any maps, so they have to swing by another church and talk to a priest about it. And this is like a pretty free swinging priest. He's wearing sunglasses yeah. in the middle of the day. And he's like, "Yeah, like we're looking for a place where this priest might hung himself." He's like, "Oh, you mean Father Thomas?" Yeah. Um, That's this is like classic mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft trope yeah. territory here. It's like you need to find oh, the town of Dunwich. You go back down the road, and then there is another road on your left that is blocked by a landslide, and that is how you get to Dunwich. Which, and you're just like, wait, what? Wait, the road is blocked by the landslide, or the view to the road is blocked by the landslide? I don't understand what's going on here, Father. You'll figure it out. I think you've been nipping into the communion wine again, there, Father. Well, um, also the the priest is like, oh yes, Dunwich. It was a, uh, it's you know, a town built on the old uh, town of Salem where they burned many of which, and many people say that it opens the gates of hell. I know. And then Christopher uh, well, George the is, like, is like, oh great, so where is it? <laughs> and he tells him, and then the priest is like. Do you mind me asking why you want to go there? And Chris Reeves is like, uh, we're looking up a friend. And he's like, the priest is like, eh, okay, makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> Lots so, of people live in Dunwich. So then we we go to Moriarty's funeral home. And we I stopped by the, uh, the bar a few times. Oh, we visit right, with these the bar. Fireflies. These three, t- two guys drinking in a bar at like 9 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, and, and the bartender. The, and the bartender. The bartender's like, oh, you know that girl went missing? I bet it's I guess that pervert Bob. Because um, they're looking for Bob, because they assume it was it was him, because they the the girl was found dead without any trace of anything on her. Yeah, everybody and, suspects Bob, mm-hmm, even though it was the dead priest with mud and worms on his hand. Come on, yeah, obvious, obvious. I know, like so many cops have just got to be like, you know what? I know exactly who did this. It was that priest that hung himself over in the <laughs> in the thing. He's back from the grave and he's got worms and mud on his hands. Um, so, anyways, these, these definitely not a pervert. <laughs> yeah. So these two drunks are hanging out in a bar at nine a.m. in the morning. And the bartender is like, ah, oh, you guys are just mamby pambies because they're talking about, like, ghosts and stuff. He's like, yeah, hey, grow up. And then all of a sudden, a mirror in the bar cracks spontaneously, and they're like, oh, we, we got to get, yeah. get going. And he's like, what do you mean? That could have been a truck driving by. I don't understand how it could have been a truck driving by. Because the vibration could have been a pressure know, and didn't man. work. And then after that, he's like, hey, guys, grab another beer. This one's on me. And then the wall breaks then apart. Then the, con- the, the, the cinder block wall splits in half. And not only does that, but, like, demon sounds start emanating and, like, smoke. <laughs> and they're like, we gotta go. And he's like, what do you mean you gotta go? And then he goes over, he's like, man, I, this place is built brand new. They don't, know, they don't know how to 
take care of buildings anymore. It's like, yeah, uh, we're going to try sobriety now. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, but they don't. They're like back mm-hmm. to, like the next day. So anyways, we're in Moriarty's funeral home. And I love the mortician Moriarty because he just looks like a guy that is a mortician and cracks tons of jokes about like punny jokes about death like oh work was murder today i don't think he gets any lines no he doesn't uh, he no, doesn't no lines anything. for him at all he just kind of we realize that he, he just kind of around the bodies. around yeah. he doesn't look like he's had any son and he after the families are done grieving he steals the jewelry off the corpses <laughs> which he then gets killed for he gets yeah his what happens to him i forgot about that um what happens was i think it's the old one. Oh, the old woman bites his arm Oh, that's the right. dead. Sorry, the dead woman that's in a coffin bites his arm. It's while a bit he, of a visually incoherent scene. Well, I think it was like something like they they didn't have an, um, the whole thing is that you weren't supposed to see it. So like he reaches in from off camera and you just go him go oh and then he takes his hand back and there's a big chunk out of it. Oh, and that's the last we see of him. I guess yeah. we just assume that he didn't Led to treat death. it. Yeah, he, he got infected <laughs> and didn't get his tetanus shot. So he let it dead. go. Yeah, he's like yeah, I'll be fine. It's turned green. It's doesn't have kill. insurance. Didn't want to. So then Italian healthcare man. <laughs> so at this point, Christopher George and Katrina McCall reach Dunwich and they go to the graveyard. And at this point, they meet up with Jerry, the psychiatrist. And this is where our worlds come together. Oh, also that night, sorry, before they arrive there, Jerry got a call from Sandra who's like, I think there's someone in my house. And he says, okay, I'll see you soon, honey. And that's when we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa is he dating her too? Is she a side piece? Or, yeah. or was he just being polite? He also gets pretty, I don't want to say misogynistic, but misogynistic. When oh, he's, yeah. When he's talking like, when she's like, do you think I'm crazy? And he's like, no, I don't think you're really it's, that crazy. It's like 70% of the female population suffers from delusions. It, people overuse the term gaslighting nowadays. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is like the textbook yeah, definition exactly. of gaslighting. I know. It's like, I kind of felt that he like should have been saying like, nah, you're not any crazier than any of these other brads, baby. Um, <laughs> He's like, most women are crazy. This is probably this what is, it is. This is normal. It's okay. You're just nuts, honey. And then she's like, well, then go check out what's in the kitchen. He's like, what's in the kitchen? He goes and he sees the corpse of one and of the women like that died. He has like a mental breakdown. He doesn't know how to handle it. He's like, okay, we got to check this place room by room because her body disappears. And she's like, no, we need to go. And he's like, no, no, no. We got to check it room by room after having a stiff drink. And then they... Some Johnny Walker, I believe. Some Johnny Walker or something. And so then the next day, that's when he meets up with Katrina McCall and Christopher George at the graveyard. Yeah, this is the guy when uh, when his girlfriend goes missing, and he uh, he's hears like, about yeah, it from his dad. Yeah, he writes dad. Bob in well, like yeah, and circles it because <laughs> he's like writing on a notepad. So like like the father of his teenage girlfriend calls him. It's like she hasn't been home yet, and she's he's like to see Bob. I That's bet last I bet she'll be home in two minutes. And then he writes Bob on a paper <laughs> and pad circles paper. it. Like hmm, that's the guy. So anyways, Bob is freaking out. Uh, he has got found this garage with a car in it. He snuck inside the car and is going to sleep. And this young, like I guess doesn't, nineteen yeah, something twenty, chases Bob doesn't it? Yeah, there's like well, there's like he he knows something's up. He knows that evil is taking over the town, and um, also people blame him for Emily's death. And also we should point out that at this point, Emily's younger brother John John saw Emily floating outside of his window. He has the freakiest room too. He yeah, has these weird, lots of weird stuffed, stuffed animals. animals. Mm-hmm. Very Scary. very strange. So then after that, he goes to Bob is hiding in this house, and one of the bar patrons who was talking about how that pervert Bob probably, you know, killed Emily and those other kids too. We should also point out that at a certain point, these two teens are in a car and they're making out, and she's like, "Oh, I don't oh, we know." We did. We did mention this. We she, mentioned uh, the, the, the intestine puke. Out, yeah, yeah. Uh, but which then, is really gross. It's surprisingly. Uh, gross. It's gay. Yeah. She bleeds out her eyes. Mm-hmm. Her eyes bleed first. Apparently, the the thing is with the with mm-hmm. this priest, he don't doesn't look say him in anything. the eye. Yeah, I don't think he gets a line either. 
He's like, just don't look him in the eye, because if you look in the eye, you'll become transfixed, your eyes will hemorrhage, and then you'll puke your mm-hmm. own intestines out. Like, everything. Eventually, your stomach comes out. And I should say, out. when I saw this movie when I was, like, 15 on VHS, on a grainy VHS tape, I was not expecting that whatsoever. <laughs> I had never seen any kind of horror film like this before. This was the first one of its kind that I'd ever seen. It blew my mind, and it stuck with me forever. It was, like, for a day afterwards, I was like, what just happened? Surprisingly gross. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he expects to end at some point. No, it just keeps going on and on. Maybe me seeing this at such a young age explains a lot about me yeah. now that I'm thinking about it. But anyways. It lasts almost as long as the puke scene in Team America. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But this yeah. is actually grosser and realistic. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, yeah, so those teens, she pukes her guts out. Her boyfriend is frantically trying to get out of the car and cannot. And he does we should not say, succeed. The reason why she pukes her guts out is that she thinks there's someone out there. He turns on the headlights and they see the priest hanging from like a construction site. It's that classic scene, too. She's yeah. all like, I don't know. I'm a little worried. And he's like, it's okay. It's kind of like you think it's like the guy with the hook for the hand coming <laughs> to kill him. But instead, it's an undead demon, demonic priest. Um, so then he tries to escape while she's puking her, gut, her literal guts <laughs> we're out. We're going to go park by the abandoned church and yeah. make out there. Where that priest hung himself. <laughs> there's no problem here, baby. Um... So then, the yeah, the well, the they see the dies. priest hanging. Yeah. He appears, and, and then he, he turns on the headlights. Yeah. and then he appears next to the car, and that's when she sees him and starts puking her guts out. And then he's frantically trying to escape from the car because they can't get away. And then a hand reaches in from behind and like rips his brains out. And this happens a couple times in this movie. It's it's a move. Sandra it's... gets her brains ripped out. Christopher George gets his brains ripped out. Oh, poor Christopher. Yeah. R.I.P. He's just a charming, nice guy the entire movie. So. From there, Bob is in the garage hiding out in this car. We see a younger girl who's like probably 19 or 20 come in, and she's getting some weed that she's got hidden in her father's garage. And, and she, she she's not at all that worried about no, Bob. No, she's like, oh, you. it's Bob, the local pervert, you know. <laughs> the, the, the homeless guy. Yeah, the guy that like sleeps in our garages. It's okay. It's the amount of weed that would get you busted for trafficking. That's in that true. Area. It was a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's like, you want to smoke joint with me first? He's like, uh, I could get in trouble. And then all of a sudden, we hear... It's like, boy, join it. It's like, it's just it's ma- that massive bag of weed stuffed down, or like her jorts or whatever. Yeah. Um, she tried, yeah, she tried to hide the weed by putting it in her pants. Um, but her father interrupts, and her father is one he of the... He comes in immediately, by the one way. One of the drunks like, She's like, my dad might come home any minute. And then there he is. Yeah, there he is. And it's like, he's like, that's Bob. What are you doing with my daughter? And her, his daughter runs away. And and Bob is just like, I can explain. It's not what you think. I just need a place to sleep. Please, I'm really tired. Oh, man. This, and yeah. Bob accidentally turns on this drill press that is sideways for some reason. Because <laughs> drill presses normally come down from the top. This one is on sideways. So the dad hits Bob grabs him by the head and drags him towards the drill press and man this takes forever and it's like it's it's kind of a the the score at this point is a slight homage to the score from zombie when uh when the doctor's wife in that film gets the splinter in her eye this guy gets a drill in his brain and it is gnarly we we thought it was going to go through his eyes because he's looking at the drill yeah. but he turns away and it goes through the side of his and skull it goes through, but all like, the way through and right below his template. Looks no, really I think painful. I think it, I think it was just above. It's like, so it's like right above the, his jaw, though. No, 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 no. It was up here. It was okay. here. This is where it went through. It, sorry to our listeners that can't see me. I'm pointing. He's pointing to his temple. I'm pointing to my temple. I went through right through the temple. Seemed through the brain. below the temple to me. That's that's no, what no, I saw, no, no. and I thought maybe that was just because they had to. No, it wasn't here. It was up here. And they, how they did this was interesting because I tried to figure it out, but from watching it, because they must have had a retractable like drill Thing because that just kind of gushed like red liquid yeah that pumped it. out red liquid because like they actually used the real actor's head and and uh not carlo rimbaldi is still alive today um 
So, so that happens, and it comes out the other side. So I'm guessing they had two drills, like, beside his head at once. And it is gnarly. And that's the end of Bob. And that's the end of that father. That's the end of that storyline. It's done and over with. <laughs> that's all we see. We might see, yeah. like, uh, not zombie Bob, but these kind of demon dead we see, creatures. Because, like, the, the, I guess the uh, the un, the trapped spirits of the dead, I guess. The living what, dead, I suppose mm-hmm. you could just call them. Yeah. Not the walking dead, the living dead. Yeah. Um, so at this point, John John calls Gary, and oh, this is after the maggot scene. So our four characters meet: that's Sandra, um, Gary, the uh, and uh, Katrina McCall this, and this Christopher is the George. Daphne, this is when they truly become Shaggy, the Scooby Doo gang because it's just like they're going around <laughs> like we gotta solve this mystery. What's going on? Let's get oh, in the van. Old Father Thomas killed himself over <laughs> the graveyard. Um, so they go back to Gary's. Um, office i guess and the window is blown open and they are rained down with maggots yeah and this is a gross disgusting scene and we watched a special feature with katrina mccall talking about it and she's like they were live maggots like in the wides it was like brown rice being blown at them but then she had real maggots put on her face like glued on her face yeah. like you could tell around. and like i was watching this scene it's like and it she describes it as well and it looks like she's really having a hard time with she's it. like yeah you can see the reality in my face that i am not enjoying this whatsoever and yeah, apparently he mm-hmm. uh, like it was he, supposed to be a certain amount of time. That's what he said. Or and Lucio just, just kept going. Kept the yeah. Cameras going. Yeah, he kind of tortured. That scene it. goes on for a while. It's, it's a long yeah. Storm, yeah. Oh. He's like, I, man, I paid for these maggots. I'm getting my money's worth. We're using them all. <laughs> um, but I just imagine the actors getting like mm-hmm. the maggots like vacuumed out of their ears and Ugh. other orifices. Fun. You probably have to like buy maggots in bulk. There's probably no like yeah. yeah. You gotta go to go the to maggot bulk farm. Barn, yeah. <laughs> But so int- interestingly enough, so Christopher George played a prank on Lucio Fulci because everybody, all the actors thought that the maggot scene was way too much because they were there getting pelted with maggots in their hair and getting it like glued to the f- their faces. Live maggots. Live maggots. So Lucio Fulci, as we saw in some behind the scenes, he, he, he was fond of having a pipe close to him. So he would have a pipe and he would have this bag with tobacco with him at all times. So at one point he, during lunch, he put down the bag. Christopher George took the bag, dumped out the tobacco and filled it with maggots. So the next time that Lucio Fulci uh, reached into his tobacco bag to get tobacco for his pipe, he just got a f- some fingers full of maggots, <laughs> which grossed him out a lot, apparently. That's what he gets. Yeah. So now um, they get the call from John John to say that Emily has come back from the grave and killed uh, their parents. And this is when um, one of my favorite lines in the film is uttered when Gary tells, or Jerry, whatever his name is, tells um, Christopher George, that was John John, a friend, like a family friend of mine. He just told me that his older sister, Emily, killed his parents. And you kind of think, like, that's the weird thing. And even Christopher George is like, oh, my God. And it's like, but Emily's been dead for two days. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. So they go over, get John John. And this is when they decide, okay, let's split up. So, Emily looks rough, by the way. She has, like, no skin on her face. Yeah, yeah. I kind of got ripped off. So at this point... They decided to go to Sandra's house for safekeeping, or Sandra's going to take John John to his house where they realize they must destroy the corpse of Father Thomas before All Saints Day. They've only got a couple hours left, so Jerry, or Gary, and Christopher George, and Katrina McCall are going to go to the graveyard, find his grave, and destroy the corpse. Sandra just has to stay safe and sound with John John at home. Sandra goes to her home. John John is kind of freaked out, and that's when... The corpse of, I think it's the Rosie, the girl, one of the teenagers in the car, comes yeah. out. And this is when they do the, the brain grab. So she 
digs it's, her fingers it's, uh, into the, yeah the back of skull grab that yeah squishes out brain yeah so they she digs her fingers into Sandra's head crushes her skull and rips out her brains and it's gnarly and the kid runs off and then runs away and then comes back and then hangs out with some cops and the kid shows up at the end <laughs> so I Does just he ever yeah he's just there's a lot of running back and forth um, oh, did we mention the owl monkeys? Oh yeah. So, so the sound design in this film, Lucio Fulci, whenever he <laughs> shoots in New York, always does this amazing sound design of like, pew for cop like cars. Weird yeah. sound weird effects. Weird European cops that in, in we New don't York know City. Yeah. Like weird sound effects. And so apparently in this New England town, there are owls that sound like monkeys. They used their <laughs> like what was that? It was a monkey in New England. Yep. Uh, owl monkey. Owl monkey. The barn variety. Mm-hmm. And there's some weird tropical birds, it sounds like. So at this point, they go into the graveyard. And this part, this part of the film has some impressive set design. So they find that they Father the Thomas isn't buried in a grave. He's buried in a crypt. So he goes down into the Thomas family crypt. They pry off the the the, the, the grave marker or the, the whatever the thing is that blocks. Stone slab. Stone slab. But, and they yeah. find that Father Thomas's crypt is empty. <laughs> nice dramatic pause there. That wasn't a dramatic pause. I yawned. Um, dramatic yawn. Was empty, but it's broken through on the other side, and it looks like he broke out of his own grave. So they climb well, through. we know as the uh, viewers yeah, that he's it. been roaming around. Yeah. So they climb through his grave to the other side, and this is where it enters this nightmare world of, like... Feet first. Under Feet first, stupidly enough. You go head first. You want to see what's going on. To this nightmarish world where there are, like, bodies hanging. I What I could rationalize in my head is that this is an old old graveyard that's probably built on top of another graveyard so there are all these it like, essentially looks like an indiana jones movie at this yeah point. so there are all these like skeletons kind of corpses like temple like, of doom stuff. stuck in the ceiling there's other corpses strewn around and then there's another bizarre crypt that they find that doesn't seem to have any entrance or exit to and this and as they're going this way uh the the demon of sandra comes back and starts to st- stare at katrina mccall and her eyes start to bleed and this is when they're like oh no um you can't, you can't stare at the eye she has the power too i don't know how you get the yeah. eye power it only seems to be a select few that have a couple that. of them yeah and so they all can like rip out your head but also appear and disappear like magic yeah these, which is these the aren't zombies thing. that's yeah. the thing this is a metaphysical they're kind of zombies but also they're the living dead but not really living and um and they don't adhere to our physical reality and so at this point sandra reaches into the like she kills christopher george which we were all mortified by i was really pulling for him because then we get stuck with the psychiatrist (laughs) yeah that nobody likes don't curse i almost did because i was so pissed off at this uh, yeah this guy he's he's a jerk face um he's uh, definitely by the way mm -hmm. um dating this sandra Sandra, because as well as Emily, the teenager, when he kills her, as he does oh, to right. save, yeah, he stabs her in the stomach he with cries. a cries. He cries afterwards, and you're like, oh, yeah, there's definitely something going, going on. on. Mm-hmm. So at this point, they move deeper in, and this is where it gets really nightmarish, and you start to notice behind them like corp- like corpses that you don't really see that are covered in deep, deep cobwebs start to sit up and rise and follow them. And if- uh, another feature mm-hmm. of Fulci. Um, uh, is the uh, shallow graves. Yeah, all the graves are like only like half a foot underground. It was true in Zombie where like the uh, conquistadors are coming out of mm-hmm. the graves and they're just under the dirt for yeah, some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, they're buried in three inches of dirt. <laughs> and then um, the grave diggers are putting that coffin just like barely underground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's 
why you could hear those screams so well. Yeah, thankfully. Thank yeah. God these union guys are just doing the bare minimum. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, so anyways, at this point, like, they, they reach this other crypt, which has no in or out, and it's just bizarre. And this is where Father Thomas emerges. And they it's realize... It's like a circular thing, yeah. and then... All of a sudden, there's uh, zombies coming. Uh, I'm going to call them zombies for I'm, lack uh, of a better let's, term. Let's call them. Let's call them just the the demonic dead. That's okay. It's more syllables. I know. Um, so the, 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 the demonic dead. Metaphysical demonic dead. Yeah, that's yeah. Easier. The metaphysical de- yeah. <laughs> yeah. The metaphysical de- demo- de- yeah, de- demon several more syllables. The metaphysical demonic dead the are like surrounding them. Yeah. You know the MPD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're coming out of the woodwork or yep. the stonework, as and you might surrounded. say. And they're surrounded, and all of a sudden, out of the cobwebs, mm-hmm. they're like, here, they here, here, they're also everywhere. here, mm-hmm. over here as well. And it's like eight or mm-hmm. nine different kind of. And the priest locks eyes with Katrina McCall, and she starts to bleed from her eyes again. And Jerry, yeah, he appears, like, and then Jerry's like, eyes. "Not, no, not again." And so he finds a um, a wooden tombstone, which is just a cross with a sharpened end. And he stabs it low into Father Thomas, like almost in the groin area. This is also where he uh, stabbed um, Sandra. Sandra, yep. and it killed her immediately. Yep. So it's like this he one, knew that the belly was yeah. their weak point. It's, it's like not like normal zombie films. Where you got to get him in the head. Well, this is not a zombie film. So, and like he stabs him deep, and like the insides of Father Karras or Father Karras, Father um, Thomas are like pretty wide open, and then he bursts into flame. All the other demonic dead burst into flame around them, and then they burn down to the point where, like, they're a skeleton. They burn down further until they fall down onto the ground, and then they just become dust. Yep. And at this point, we see John John and the cops are pulling up to the graveyard, and Jerry, or Gary, and Katrina McCall are coming out. And this is where the movie gets weird, and there's been a lot of debate about what the ending of the movie means. I'd like to know as well. Because John John runs towards them. John and John's like, like, there they are, they're alive. Yay, yay. So runs towards them. The happy cops as a are clam. Behind him. Yeah. Happy as a clam. There's it seems ominous. I even said before yeah. anything really happened. I'm like, and this doesn't Katrina seem Katrina McCall right. and Jerry are looking at him and then all of a sudden they get like some disturbed look on their face. And he goes into post production slow mo, which is where they slow it down in post, so it creates this really weird slowed down strobing effect. And then it just goes to a freeze frame on him as they scream, and then the image splinters and cracks and goes to black. But and it's not of them screaming. No, the it's image. of the kid. It's, it's, it's the kid getting even closer so with a big smile on his face. They're said that something happened in the ending, and or something happened to the footage they shot. Now, either it was that the editor spilled coffee on the actual negative. <laughs> Come on, really? <laughs> or that that portion of the film... The lab was being developed and burned down. I I I lean towards the second that the lab burned down, and so, so they lost the ending. And so they had to come Either up with a, they had to come up with an ending with the footage they had, and I think that was the best. Way. What I what I what I interpret it to be because there's a there's a moment where we think John John has been caught by a demonic dead, but we don't see it happen or the aftermath. It's just before he it's when he's with the police, and then all of a sudden he looks and he looks startled. So I'm assuming that he was possessed and is one of the demonic dead. That's okay. That's yeah. what we're going with. You now there are sequels. They don't answer this question? No, because each of the sequels <laughs> Okay. take is a different story. It's another but it's another the same actresses in both and them? she plays different characters. Oh, it's that old chestnut. Yeah. yeah. So and it's again it's exploring one of the different doors of death because there are seven of them. Cool. This is the first one. The he second didn't one do is seven movies beyond. though, did he? No, he didn't. And was he thir- planning on it? Was no, I don't think so. I just think he just did it because... So he did The Beyond, and that film he had to like... Which we'll... Guess what we're watching next week? The Beyond. Beyond. 
Dun, dun, dun. Yep. So we'll get into that next week. Um, and then the House by the Cemetery was a smaller movie, but it was so it's at, not a it's not a sequel. It's just shared universe kind of thing. Well, yeah, it's a trilogy. It's like another, but it's it's also like the way that the demonic dead in the Beyond Act and the act in the House by the Cemetery are different. So I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, and that was City of the Living Dead, aka The Gates of Hell. So guys, what did you? What are your final thoughts on Gates of Hell slash City of the Living Dead? Phil, I enjoyed this. Um, I enjoyed it. I even though I enjoyed Zombie, I thought you this was it way more. better. Yeah, this narratively has a way more solid like thrust. Absolutely. Quentin yeah. Tarantino is famous for saying like he really likes the Beyond and he really likes City of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. And we even noticed there's a little like Tarantino probably took some inspiration from the coffin scene in this for yeah, Kill Bill Volume Two. Yeah. yeah. So he uh, Tarantino is, is is quoted as saying that Zombie, the first twenty minutes of it aren't so good. Then the second 20 minutes are slightly better, but still not very good. And then the last, like, two 20-minute segments, 40 minutes, yeah. is really good. And that's when the movie cooks. Whereas in this film, there's intrigue from the start. There's things layered in throughout. You've got the really great presence of Christopher George, who no, no disrespect to Ian McCulloch, but Christopher George is a way more captivating presence on screen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and also, this is where, like, he discovered Christina McCulloch, he then made two more films with. And she is just awesome as Mary in this film. I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah, like having seen the Beyond before, and we'll as of course we'll watch again. Yeah, shortly. Um, it's City of the Living Dead. I feel is also a, a good warm up to the Beyond. The craziness of the Beyond. Yeah, the craziness of the Beyond. It's way more coherent than the Beyond. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily a compliment or an insult, but it, it just, just is what it is. It yeah. is what it is. But like in terms of like the tone, there's there's just this sort of dreaminess vibe to it that mm-hmm. I'm really on board with. Yeah, yeah. This is what Fulci really got into, which he like in in this film, like the entire town is taken over by mm-hmm. by this feeling of dread, and it's not even yeah. you don't even see much. You just see like a couple wide shots of buildings with with wind and that fog machine going, and um, yeah, morticians. That the we mortician. thought was like a little. Uh, was like a we miniature thought, set that's the thing. Some until of the, we actually some saw of the somebody go in the door look like models which, yeah. which adds to the unreality of it all because whatever town they shot in in Georgia like it feels like they built something and then just didn't finish it they didn't put like a, a lawn in front of it or a sign or a street it felt like everywhere that they were going was just this isolated little strange spot actually yeah, I, yeah I, I drove like one year my family drove down to uh, Florida yeah and we drove through uh, Georgia and we went off the beaten path for some reason in Georgia, and we drove through like a, some small towns. I think Hope was one of them, I think was the yeah. name. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like that. It was like really kind of, I don't know, old and perfectly like this weird small town kind of yeah, vibe yeah, that yeah. you're seeing here. It's always weird in the United States, and I'm guessing most of our listeners are, we're, we're not from America, obviously, we're from Canada. But like, it is a weird thing in the States of like going off the beaten path and finding these small towns that are just like, what are they doing here? It's very strange. Um, so if we have any American listeners, send, send us an email, deathbyvideopodcast at gmail.com, or reach out to us on Facebook, Death by Video Podcast, or reach or out to us. Or add us at uh, Death by Video Pod on Twitter. Yeah, or Death by Video on uh, Instagram. Yep. Um, and let us know, because like, it's, it's a very bizarre... I'm finding out more and more that, despite the fact that we live so close to America, it's very strange to me at certain points, at certain times, like just like the, the way words are said or the way towns are set up. Um, and I feel that like I'm still figuring out Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's its own it's its own chestnut. Um, but uh, but Lucio Fulci has a very unique take on America because his New York is very this weird 
almost nautical feeling to it and his small town America is very even though it's supposed to take place in New England it almost feels like New Orleans or somewhere because oh for sure yeah even and it was also shot in Georgia also anticipating the beyond yeah which was set in shot in and set in New Orleans um yeah so any other final thoughts Kit Phil yeah uh, <laughs> Kit Phil um yeah uh we haven't surprisingly haven't discussed it yet uh Fabio Fritzi's score oh the score is dynamite dynamite yeah like cause I was expecting a little more in something in the zombie tradition of like yeah. that uh pulsing 4-4 four, four beat but mm-hmm. no this is like very proggy uh Kit mentioned those like Pink Floyd yeah it's sort of like pre-Dark mm-hmm. Side of the Moon Pink Floyd in a way there are elements of Metallica oh, in it too yes yeah. that yeah, too yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I kept on expecting James Hetfield to just kind of appear yep just a mean uh, Kirk Hammett riff or uh, yeah exactly yeah. like Riff Burton bass line mm-hmm. it's always about to yeah exactly well, he Fabio Frizzi the the, the 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 score the composer for this film he references Zombie a little bit like he's got that like yeah, drum sure. of like mm-hmm. Yeah, when the when the zombie when the not the zombies but the demonic dead are rising, but he subverts it in a way where he's like, "This is not zombie. These are yeah. not zombies. This is not a fun movie. This is down and dirty." <laughs> I mean, it's a fun movie, yeah, but it's to, to us, but not to the characters in it. Like, it's it's gonna be something much darker and much more <laughs> more metaphysical, as I like to say. Well, like even like a more reined in goblin, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one guy doing it too. And on the Beyond Blu-ray, there's a great extra where they like show how he did his score and he like literally had this like analog synthesizer that he would record a sound on a magnetic strip of tape like 60 millimeter mag stock and then he would put it attach it inside and then you could play that that sound in any note Mm -hmm. so he would for instance take a woman singing and then he could play that note and layer it to sound like many people singing and he would like change it around like he did in this 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 and it only gets better like the beyond score is awesome yeah that's what's interesting about like the synth music like I that weird analogness of like we gotta oh, record yeah, a sound sure. and we can manipulate that sound yeah yeah like I was watching some like short documentary because it came up with my YouTube recommendations on Yaz aka Yazoo I like Yaz <laughs> yeah me too um, but yeah we're like Vince Clark was just talking about like the old uh, synthesizer programming um, yeah and he was just like yep that's just one note uh, mm-hmm. Who was it? Didn't Pete Townsend on um, Who's Next? Like, because that was early synthesizer work. Like, he showed oh, yeah, it, and sure. it was this big ass room mm-hmm. that had to fit the synthesizer into it. And he like the the um, the synthesizer track for Baba O'Reilly was like a heartbeat, apparently, yeah. that he like then like ran through the synthesizer mm-hmm. to get that sound. So yeah, score is score is dynamite. Yeah, and I also want to add to that that like it just contributes to the atmosphericness. Of the oh, movie totally. And... Like I like I I really think that this period from zombie to to, I, I don't like House by the Cemetery. I don't. I'm debating for going to watch it or not as part of his. I want to break out of his. Um, like I like the fact that we're doing Zombie, which is kind of like his launch to international mm-hmm. fame. Then two of his uh, Seven Doors of Death trilogy, and then we're going to do another one. I'm trying to figure out what that's going to be. It might be New York Ripper. It might be something else. Still hoping to find Murder Rock, but. Um, <laughs> His, zombie 3 Redux. No, we, we've no. seen... I, Please, the, no. The Blu-ray of Zombie 3 looks gorgeous, though, I do have to say. I oh, believe no. you. Um, so, yeah. So, Kit, what are your final thoughts on City of the Living Dead, a.k.a. The Gates of Hell? I dug it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was a fun time. I would also agree that it's a little bit better than z- mm, oh, Zombie. Oh, it's definitely, yeah. It's definitely, like... He feels a little bit more Narratively confident. strength. Yeah, strong. Well, I think um, he also had more time to shoot this, because Zombie was shot in, like, less than two months. It was shot in, like, a month, and then it was edited and released in theaters so they shot it from the end of june into july and then released it that august 
So like within less than three months, they had they shot a movie, edited it, and released it and scored it. Like it's nuts. He's he's got his like uh you know his director uh, hallmarks. Uh, there's the worms, the worms. worms, the the worms on faces. The, Loves that shit too. The uh, puke inducing gore. The the yeah puke mm-hmm. like the kind of like the the way the skin breaks and kind of like a really disgusting yeah like, gooey yeah exactly yeah he likes his gooey gore. Um, like it breaks mm-hmm. like a couch cushion or some something, and it's even yeah. grosser than you. Also, think. also the the demonic dead in this, like they they look go- goopy is the word that I use because they look like they've got like mud and gunk, and like some of their skin is like melted slightly and coagulated into this other liquidy thing. All except uh, Sandra, what's her face? Sandra, yeah. who was pretty clean, except I guess the back of her skull was still smushed in. We didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, she was just mm-hmm. uh had the white so, so blue, bluish white makeup. So was Father Thomas. Father Thomas looked pretty good at the end too. Big fans of brain matter in this. Yeah, I think it might have been some real animal brain. Which makes me think since they were the two that had the power to crush heads. N- n- to uh look you in the eye and, and make, make you, you uh barf your guts. Mhm. Um, that somehow they were more important. There was I a hierarchy so. of demon um demon dead. Well, yeah, I definitely think that that Father Thomas is obviously like the leader of this, or he's possessed by the demonic force that's trying to break its way into the world and into Dunwich. And I think that Sandra, probably due to her proximity to the main characters, holds a little bit of sway because that also that also kind of called back a little bit, a little bit to the scene in Zombie when Al Kiver, the the boat driver, his scuba diving girlfriend, he sees her and and he's like, oh, she's okay, and then she bites him. Yeah. So yeah. It's, there's like this is definitely like a reflection. Like, it's definitely Fulci moving into his own in terms of story. He's not ripping off Dawn of the Dead here. Um, but there's still, like, homages to his own... Or, like, or tweaks on his work. Well, you even said, like, he uh, the reason why Christopher George has to die is just so to differentiate itself that's, from Zombie. That's my theory. Is that the journalist in, doesn't survive. Yeah, it's the journalist the, uh, that's investigating it, because in, in Zombie, in McCullough survived. It's the bearded guy this it's time. It's the bearded guy that survives. <laughs> and, like, in this time, like... You made the wrong choice. No one liked that guy no. at all. <laughs> you should have made him a better character. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also like the uh, the zoom shots onto the eyes, and then like yeah. the close up of the eyes. The, that's the close ups of the eyes while people are talking. Sometimes I while people are talking, which yeah. I think can work, and sometimes it doesn't. And mm-hmm. I think both are apparent here. But overall, the film is great. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so just a little bit on the actor that played Gary. He is Carlo De Mejo. Who was an Italian actor? He passed away in uh, 2015, unfortunately. Let's go through some of his uh, movies. He was acting since 1968. He was in the 1972 film *The Dead Are Alive*. Um, he was also in. Let's see if there's any, anything else. Interesting. Oh, in 1980, he was in *Terror Express*. He was also in *Contamination* with um, Ian McCullough from *Zombie*. Uh, contamination. Contamination, aka *Alien Contamination*. It was a knockoff of *Alien*. Nice. Um, he was in the Gates of Hell knockoff, The Other Hell, in 1981, uh, where he played Father Valerio. Oh, and The Other Hell was directed by, guess who? Bruno Mattai. Hell yeah. And was written by Claudio Fragazzo. Oh, snap. We're not watching on the podcast. Um, and then <laughs> All he, of our favorites. He returned to work with Lucio Fulci on two other films. He was in House by the Cemetery in 1981. By the way, we should point out that, like, this Gates of Hell trilogy was cranked out super fast. Um, both the Beyonce be- 81. It, well, yes, yeah. so um, Gates of Hell, 80. Beyond, 81. House by the Cemetery, also 81. 
Like these films were shot very fast and very efficiently. So he's just working. Exactly, working. and then with his cool ass pipe, the yeah, little curvy the, old, the old curvy like old Sherlock Holmes pipe. pipe. And then Carlo Demejo also starred in uh, Manhattan Baby, which was a 1982 <laughs> Lucio Fulci film, Manhattan which was kind Baby. of a, kind of a ghost story. Oh, it sounds like a fun film, actually. And it was co-starring Christopher Connolly. Who is not Jennifer Connelly's father? Which I was, I was looking ask. at him like, oh no, uncle, no, no, not at all. Um, so yeah, so and it, it's a plausible thing to speculate yeah, on, given like, that she her first movie was, fin- no, her second uh, movie was, was phenomenal. Yeah, the first one was Once Upon a Time in America. Right. Yeah. Interesting that she started movie. off working with Italian directors. I know. Yeah. yeah it's very bizarre. Um, Kit, any other final thoughts on Lucio Fulci's The Gates of Hell? No, not really. Just uh, you know, thumbs up. Looking, uh, looking forward to more. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's artistic, right? Like you were pointing out, like yeah. how the when they're looking for the 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 bodies disappeared, the old woman she doesn't you don't know where she is, and they have this like long one shot. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Michael Haneke type thing. Yeah. Um, where and then you realize at the end that in the background she's the, she's in, been there yeah. all along. She's just standing there. Yeah, and we just don't notice because she's always creepy. That's yeah. a good horror know, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lucio Fulci or not Lucio? Uh, Dario Argento did that really good in his film. Uh, deep red. Oh, that's, or uh, that's Rosso. what I liked uh, yeah. about Hereditary. I know that's a yeah. There's there's moments polarizing film in this room, but um, and yeah, yeah, the subtlety gets you because like when you look at it, because like again, I've seen this film a few not as many times as I've seen Zombie or Dawn of the Dead, but I saw this film, you know, when I was I think like 15 and a bunch of times since then, and I didn't pick up until this time. Yeah, there so, you yeah, go. and and yeah, there's there's just general creepiness. Like Fulci is actually a good director, but he was pumping these things out so fast. Like when I when I think about like how many films he made, because like between they make money, they they oh, were yeah. successful. Um, Zombie did contaminate. Uh, like they didn't really air in theaters North in the uh, North America. The, the Beyond got hacked to bits and was released as The Seven Doors of Death, and they also got released like years later too. Okay, like okay. this one was released as The Gates of Hell in 1983 in theaters in in America, and then I think it came out on video in like 86 or 88. So like long after the sell-by date, um, Zombie made money in North America, um, but yeah, like he he like they had to work. Also, we should we we should we haven't really discussed it, and this is like a thing to get into like for another podcast, not at the end of this one. But the reason why there's so many why these Italian directors are so busy and cranking out films is because Italy didn't have. TV comparable to what North America had or Britain had at the time until we have alluded to it in the past. Yeah. Though. That's true. Until like the late 80s, early 90s. So like the reason there were like thousands upon thousands of theaters, which is why there were like 700 spaghetti westerns from the 60s to the 70s. That's why like, you know, even though the Italian cop films didn't do really well out here, they made like hundreds of them. Even the cannibal films like only Cannibal Holocaust really made money. There's a surprising amount of them. There's a surprising amount, but they were all made between like 80 and 82. Like they're, but there's like a hundred of them because why weren't we alive in this era i know <laughs> and italian He's, yeah that too we'd be smoking away on italian sets being like all right let's make another zombie film <laughs> zombies go hawaiian um yeah let's go to a beach um yeah it's just have like a cannibal crossover yeah yeah which there was zombie holocaust oh, was a cannibal yeah, zombie yeah. crossover so that's the thing like they like if something showed the hint of popularity they Are made a watch? ton of them no 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 cannibal holocaust 
Were you going to ask that? I was going to ask that. No, I don't think so. I don't want to kill kill the pod. That'll kill the podcast dead. You, you've threatened to do that before with movies. Yeah, I know. But We've I, watched uh, Killing of America and we've watched Cannibal Fear Us. Yeah, I almost want to... I don't think I need to watch it. I almost want to do threads on the on the podcast to really I've make us all the threads. Threads, threads yeah. is an excellent movie, though. It's right? excellent. It is... It's, it's, it's weak as hell, but it is I, an excellent yeah, movie. Yeah, I compare it to The Killing of America, although it's a narrative, yeah. not a documentary. Um, so my final thoughts on, on Gates of Hell... I love it. I've seen it. You know, I, I when I saw when I was fifteen, I'd never seen anything like it before. This was my first. I saw this before I saw any Dario Argento. Like, a, like I saw on this a full screen VHS. Yeah, I saw this before I saw I think Evil Dead One. So like I'd never seen anything remotely close to this. And then seeing this was like, what am I watching? It is nuts. People are puking their guts out, literally. Oh, that would have made me, like, sick. I know. Like I was kind of like queasy watching it as a kid, and like that's like pushed me to like watch this this film. I think more than any other pushed me to find like the outsider weirdo horror movies that I never came yeah. across these movies. Like they were hard to find. Like you had Texas, to Texas Chainsaw Massacre two or something would be as you know as weird crazy. or demons. Yeah, three, I remember those puppet master. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a Hellraiser. That, that's about as weird. I know, as it and gets. those are all like North American mains kind of yeah. mainstream horror films. Well, that's the thing. Like I like luckily the Sydney video franchise in Sydney, Nova Scotia had three of them, and they all had their weird films that you couldn't find anywhere else so like my one had um gates of hell and house uh last house on the left on vhs and then other ones had like the invisible maniac or uh season of the witch the the george romero film so not halloween three season season of the witch no and we will do we will do the early films of george romero uh trilogy soon we haven't Oh, we haven't really done Romero on the we haven't pod. Done you, did the, you did the tribute. Yeah, but, uh, where I talked, but we haven't done any. I, I also like I'm I'm pretty safe. Romero's pretty sacred to me, so I don't want to. I don't know if I want to open it up to podcast criticism. Well, we're not going to do Diary of the Dead. No, no, I no, assume no, no. I've seen that film. Yeah. Um, no monkey shines. No monkey shines. You know, I do have a soft spot for monkey shines. Yeah, we, we, could show, we could show the, the lesser Romeros, which even he was like, eh, no. Dark half, meh. That was the thing. Like, he spent his nine, the nine. He had a bit in Creep Show as well, right? He directed all of Creep Show. Yeah, all of Creep Show. Yep. That's right. He he admits that, like, in the 90s, he became a studio filmmaker, and that's why, like, when he wanted to know why his film sucked, he's like, it's because I was a studio filmmaker. And in his heart of hearts, he was always an independent filmmaker. I have a soft spot for Creep Show, though. No, Creep Show was 82. Scared the hell Creep, out of Creep me Show was independent as well. That was through United Film Distribution Company that put it out. Okay. His, um, and I think Warner it was Warner distributed it. I think that they picked it up after the fact, maybe, okay. or maybe that was VHS. But I know that he did Creep Show. I think that was an independent production with him Leslie and Richard Nielsen Robertson. In that? Yep. Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Yep. 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 Stephen King. Oh yeah. Um, we've been talking a lot. Where uh, this is going to be one of our longer podcasts. <laughs> we're, we're uh, yeah, we're diverging. Yeah, we're diverging. So on that note, guys, I highly recommend anyone check out Gates of Hell, aka City of the Living Dead. There's a wonderful Blu-ray from Blue from uh, Blu-ray from Blue Underground, which is what we watched tonight. It looks it, good. It looks amazing. Um, I know that in Britain there is a Arrow UK Blu-ray, and they do wonderful work as well. Um, the, the Blu-ray has a load of special features. It was interesting listening to Katrina McCall describe how she had no idea who Lucio Fulci was, but Fulci respected her. She didn't like the script at all. She didn't she, like the script. She had to convince herself. She had yeah. to rationalize morally. That she wasn't involved with any of the bad stuff. <laughs> she was trying she was, to stop yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So with that being said, that was Gates of Hell. So we will join you next week, hopefully, with Lillian back here for Lucio Fulci's, what I think is his apex, The Beyond. I've never really heard of it. It's, it's great.
Um, yeah, we missed out on uh, 35 millimeter screening I know, at the Royal. I know, I know. They were showing also Deep Red and Black Ooh. Sunday. That's part of their. Classics, that's part of their Italian because they have this. So the yeah. Royal is in Little Italy in Toronto, the Royal Cinema, and they are doing like this Italian classics, and it's like they're all horror movies, which I love. <laughs> I love. It's just it's somebody like me who was like. Let's show off the Italian culture of the neighborhood by showing horror movies. Like pretty, they're sh- all awesome movies. Yeah, though. it's like here we're gonna be watching Demons soon or uh, La Casa. Demons is marginally less awesome, but Demons one it, is pretty awesome. It's enjoyable. It's got the Billy Idol soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So without that's no Black Sunday. No, no Black Sunday is dynamite and a half. Um, wow. So for that being said, for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm still Graham saying, please be sure to rewind. We will see you next time. Keep watching awesome movies. Good night.